Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. John Clayton. Good morning, John. Good morning. So are you, is there any part of you, okay, obviously week 10 begins tonight, Cleveland, Baltimore, terrible game. Is there any part of you that says, you know what, I want to flip over to TNT for a couple minutes. I want to see Dwayne Wade's return uh, to face the Miami Heat tonight. Does that interest you at all? For me, no, because I've got to follow it. This is my job to watch the game and do that. I think there's going to be more of a tendency of the people that aren't me to be able to do that. And I'll give you an example. A couple weeks ago when Jacksonville was playing Tennessee on Thursday night, I uh, host on Thursdays on Sirius with Pat Kerwin on Moving the Chains. And so we did kind of a three-minute poll, and 71% of the listeners basically said, no, not going to watch the game. I would imagine if you probably do the same poll at the same time, uh, half hour before they start doing the inactives, probably get the same type of response. I mean, this one with Cleveland, I guess the only intrigue with Cleveland is that this might be the last chance for them to win a game. I mean, really, when you think about it, I mean, you're catching Baltimore on a short week. You know, they've got about four injuries, five injuries, and so maybe they're going to be vulnerable. But I honestly think if they don't win this game, they very well could go 0-16. That could be an intrigue, but it may not be an audience boost. John, what about that monster pit in Dallas? (laughs) <laughs> That's going to be great. I was hoping to get to go to that game because, I mean, one of the things that is uh, great to see is like, no, you still have two great brands. You still have Ben Roethlisberger out there. I mean, you have one of the best stories in Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott and how well they're playing with the offensive line. You have two very good offensive lines. And so I think it's a classic type of game. I mean, you know, you talk about ratings being down. Ratings should be up for a game like this. Where are we right now in Dallas with the Prescott-Romo situation? Uh, Tony Romo. Romo's now doing scout team type of work. That's pretty much where it is. I mean, at this stage, you can't make a change. I mean, where you're looking at the success of this team this year and how well Prescott's working the offense. I mean, when you think about it, it's like, okay, he's a running quarterback, but he makes such good decisions. He opens things up for the running game. He keeps the defense off the field because his off because you know, he's out there at possession time of about 32 minutes. And with an offensive line like his, it's a perfect fit. And so as long as he continues to win, puts this team in in a position where maybe it goes 12-4, and four, I think he very well could carry this team into the playoffs, and Tony Romo just has to take the back seat and go along for the ride. It feels a little bit like Bledsoe Brady. It does very much so, yeah. I think you can look at it that way because now and, – and, and here's where the similarity is, is that remember when that happened, uh, Drew Bledsoe just signed a $103 million contract. And so it's not as if there wasn't a commitment like there is to Tony Romo. And right now, Tony Romo in just proration next year is $19 million. And so if you're Jerry Jones and you're seeing this happening because the quarterback of the future is now the quarterback of the present, what you might ask Tony if he would consider it's like, Tony, we want you to retire as a member of the Cowboys. We'll give you a three-year extension at good money if you'd be willing to take the pay cut and if you'd be willing to work with Dak. I don't know if he would take it, but uh, I think it'd be maybe the thing to do. But at this moment, you can't uh, try to go in there and break something that's not 
uh, broken. Yeah, there's no other way you can do this, right, John? You're not going to have two monster quarterbacks on the same team. Like, I know at a certain position, like, for instance, with my situation, when I took over for the former starting center because he got hurt, we had, like, a head-to-head battle in the offseason going into the following year to find out who was going to be the starter. That that can't happen at the quarterback spot, right? No, because, I mean, there's leadership involved in this. And, I mean, the, the one thing that's nice about it so far is that both Dak Prescott and Tony Romo have been totally professional. I mean, not you, you haven't seen any kind of sniping one way or another. You haven't seen politics being played. And there's a great respect for both. I mean, I still think that Tony Romo is the eighth-best quarterback in the league, and that doesn't mean that Dak Prescott's not at that level. But when you look at the success of this, the fact that there's seven and one and Ezekiel Elliott lies on pace to be the third greatest running back rookie in NFL history. And Dak Prescott is on pace to be the fourth best for yardage as a rookie in NFL history. How do you try to break that up? I mean, it's a working combination. I think Tony understands it. He may not totally like it, but at least he's working and trying to make this whole team win and do the best it can. If you want to get some questions in for John, now's the opportunity, 786-360-0790. You can text in your questions as well on the Coral Springs Automall Kia text line, 67974. Let's uh, let's look to the Dolphins this weekend. The Dolphins are in San Diego to take on the Chargers, and, and they've, they've seemingly found a formula, okay? They're a running team. And and Adam Gase has told his staff, don't you know? I love to pass, but don't let me get away from Jay Ajayi when I'm making the play calls during the game. We got to focus on that. You look at Ryan Tannehill over the last few games, last three games the Dolphins have won. He's been good. He has not had to do anything spectacular. Okay, he's been fine. He's been more that game manager type, which is working. So going forward, if that's the case. If all Tannehill has to do right now is be the guy who he doesn't have to carry you, just don't go out there and make mistakes, what does that mean for the future? Do you pay a quarterback $18, $19, 20000000 million a year to be that guy? Yes. 100%. I mean, it's no different than what Alex Smith is doing in uh, Kansas City, just being a good game manager and then when needed, go into the passing mode and be able to do that. I mean, that's the price of quarterbacks. I know it's $19 million for Tannehill, $16 million or so for Alex Smith, but that's what you want. I mean, you want the quarterback to be able to function. It's going to make the offense work best, and the running game makes it easier for the quarterback, but it doesn't change the salary price. It's not like you know, you're going to take the salary of a quarterback just because he's a game manager and May pay him back up money. Price of quarterbacks are 16, 20 to 20 plus million dollars. That's what it comes down to. And the idea of trying to replace something after the season, if it's working, you just don't need to do that. It's not, it's not a money issue. It's a, it's an execution issue. And if he's executing, then he gets the money. What's your thoughts on Bosa? I know over here on the East Coast, he's been relatively quiet, but the holdout coming in, getting a couple sacks against the, the Falcons, are, are, are they happy with him right now out in San Diego? They are thrilled. I mean, in five games, he's established himself, and I I just covered the Charger game last week, and so in five games, he's established himself as much as any rookie defensive player we've seen since J.J. Watt. He's that good. He is so technically sound, and all you hear from all the defensive linemen and all the guys on defense is how great he is. I mean, he had a sack in each of the first four games, and the game last week was his toughest. He suffered an ankle injury in the second quarter, and it nagged him, and it really zapped the energy out of him. They pretty much put him just more as a nickel guy to kind of make it a little bit easier, and he just fought through it, and this 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 guy is absolutely sensational. He's got great technique, great pass rush ability, and in five games, he's had more pressures than any other rookie this year on defense. So lucky for Juwan James, he's going to be a little bit dinged up for this weekend. Uh, yeah, I mean, depending on how he comes through this week, I mean, it's not like it was a long-term injury, but I just, you know, I was standing there watching him get taped up, the pain he was going through, the energy that was lost, and it was a tough game. I mean, it was a wild 
43-35 type of game that was zapping everybody's energy. It went like three hours and 20 minutes, but uh, I mean, Boza fought through it, so it's good to see he fought through the adversity, but I'll tell you what, this guy is really, really good. We should uh, we should feel great about J.H.I., right? Because obviously, that you got the two 200-yard games, but this past week, they went up against the number one rush defense. Oh, no question. Yeah, because uh, you know, you, to be able to see that kind of talent, and a lot of people knew he had that type of talent. I mean, the one thing that they worried about more than anything else was that kind of ticking time bomb in the knee that at some point may come back to haunt him. But, I mean, the way he's been able to run and just been able to just get the offense going, I think, has been huge. And, you know, whether it's against – and this is not a great run-stopping defense. It's not bad, but this is one where, you, you again, we went back a couple weeks ago, and you look at the schedule. I mean, these are all winnable games. I mean, they're going against teams that don't have winning records. They don't face a winning team now until December. So I think that uh, the Chargers are better probably than their 4-5 and five record. But this is a good challenge, but a game that can be won by Miami. Let's let uh, Buffalo Will get in here with a question for the Professor John Clayton. Go ahead, Will. Hey, John. Good morning. Good morning. Um, a little bit of a different question this morning. I want to talk about the officials and how bad they've been as of late. But this past Monday night has been – pretty much as bad as I've seen them all year, uh, blowing calls, left, actually for both teams. Uh, but some of the ones that stood out was, you know, the one that on Darby, you know, when they their feet tangled up, the controversial running into the kicker, and then right after that, the officials holding the ball for 90 to 20 seconds, causing a delay a game when the Bills could have tied the game going into half. Do you think the, the league is looking into this? Uh, what's your opinion? Yeah, they'll look into it. I mean, that uh, you notice it wasn't any kind of suspension on the referee or anything of that nature, but there's no doubt. I mean, the worst call period was the holding of the ball. I mean, it's like you go five seconds before they get a chance to kick and they have to get a delay a game. That's inexcusable. That's game administration. It's still debatable on running into the kicker because technically Richard Sherman didn't hear a whistle. He comes so you can't get roughing the kicker but you know Dean Blandino basically came back and said no it should have been unnecessary roughness for the hit but that's still a debatable thing because I know the different people who have been in the officials game you know have said that one is not uh, one and then of course you know I think they're gonna have to look at a rule change for the one where Richard Sherman made the hit on uh, the wide receiver because uh, you know the wide receiver was defenseless but the fact that the quarterback ran outside of the pocket you know now you are allowed to do that I think that's something that should be taken away. John, do you think that these guys should be full-time NFL refs as opposed to currently where you have commercial litigators and business owners out there? No. And the reason is it would it would just cause too much damage to try to make that transition because if you go to the what's going to be eventually because they're going to go to eight officials next year 150 officials and say okay I want you to quit your job and become full time and basically spend half, spend half the year just looking at tape a lot of the people who are making over six digits are going to say nah I'm not going to do it so then what you have to go is into the college and high school ranks and get over 100 officials it would be it would make officiating so bad because of that what they need to do and I think it's something that that they should do sooner than later is go to the 17 referees and try to make them full time. There's still a union involved. And so that can make it a little bit more difficult. But I think that, you know, if you can just get the referees to be the guys that can be the full time guys and then have everybody else work with them, then I think it go. But that's the that would be the one move. But if you try to go for getting 130 to 150 officials and make them full time, I guarantee that 75 percent of the people that are doing this would say no. And now you have to replace play 75 cent and you would have disaster that makes sense what john's saying there john finally here uh president-elect donald trump said uh when he becomes president one of the things he wants to do is fire 
Roger Goodell. Does he have the power to do that? He does not. No. Okay. I mean, because uh, I mean, let's put it this way. I mean, he had one run at trying to get into the NFL, and that got him a one dollar times three lawsuit victory. Uh, I don't think his three dollars would be able to go ahead and change the commissioner of the National okay. Football League. All right. Very good. Uh, where are you this weekend? I am going to Washington to see Minnesota at the Redskins. Excellent. Uh, great job as always, John. Thanks for uh, flipping your schedule a little bit for us today. We appreciate it. Thank you. That's John Clayton, right? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.